Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you need to go today to win money. Whether it's live bets during the games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use the mobile app device and join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your deposit. So before the next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. What up, GCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Gwasco. This is another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined again by my man, Bobby Lamarco. You can find us on Twitter, Sky Guasco and Bobby Lamarco on Instagram, Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod and Fantasy Football X Factor. This is episode 434. Today we are breaking down our AFC South stud, dud, breakout sleepers, and we got a deep sleeper for you as well. Bobby, we have one more division after this one. It's going to be the NFC South next week. How are you feeling about the uh, wrapping up here on the AFC South? We had a doozy last night uh, breaking down the Titans and the Houston Texans, but I'm ready to go with the studs and duds. Always have a lot of fun with this series. Nothing gets the TCK Potters going like a good Tyrod Taylor segment. So you know what? Sorry, everybody. He's not going to make this one, but we'll try to get as much as we can in for him in the future. I but love it. Before, yeah, before but we the, jump in, Scott. There might be before, a lot of Davis Mills, though, so be careful. A lot of Davis Mills. A lot of Davis Mills. <laughs> but, but, of course, listen, we're people's work here, so, of course, Davis Mills is going to be included. Sky, as I always promise, we're going to do a hot topic, hot question, hot spicy question, whatever you want to do, talk about it today. And our hot spicy question is going to be brought to you by our partners over at Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Make sure you seek the spice.com. This is a banana based on a banana flavored. If you haven't tried see, uh, a hot, Bomb Banana Hot Sauce yet, guys, you're, you're missing out. Fantastic. Use the promo code TCK to get 10% off your order. And also, you're going to help us out because they're one of our sponsors and we appreciate all your support. Sky, my question for you is what was your toughest decision today? Your hot question of the day. You had studs, you have a dud, you have a sleeper, you have a breakout, but who's your number one honorable mention and in which spot was it? Yeah, this was a tough division, actually, because, I mean, again, we're talking about the AFC South. I'll break down the parameters per usual in a minute. Titans, Colts, Jags, Texans. Lot, a lot of fantasy relevance on the Titans. Honestly, quite a bit on the Jags, in my opinion. Not a lot on the Texans. And now with Wentz potentially out for a little bit and Quentin Nelson go, getting hurt as well, hurts the Colts, too quite a bit, unfortunately. So I was looking down the list here, and of course we only take a, a particular set of players. You know, this sounds silly because I feel like you can kind of pick anybody in the deep sleeper range, but deep sleeper for me was tough. And I'll get into those names here in a little bit. Again, those are deep sleepers. Those are rounds 15 plus rounds. So you're really talking about somebody way deep there, you know, dynasty stash, uh, last pick in a redraft league. But for me, it was tough. I'm going to save my actual player for later in the episode to break down. But an honorable mention here, and somebody I almost put down, was Paris Campbell for the Colts. I loved him coming out of college at Ohio State. Another one of these Curtis Samuel-type guys, kind of a hybrid wide receiver slot guy, movement guy, could take a couple carries potentially as well. Um, he's battled injuries. The Colts have been hit or miss at quarterback for the last couple of years that he's been in there. 
lot of high expectations coming in this year, but then Carson Wentz gets banged up too. So I didn't mention Paris Campbell. I've got another guy at my deep sleeper, but Paris Campbell's a guy that you're able to get in the 15th plus round here as a deep sleeper. And look, man, if you got a deep uh, stash or you got a three wide receiver league, you need to have seven or eight wide receivers on your roster. Paris Campbell, somebody I might stash if Carson Wentz is ready to go in week one. You know, it's funny that you brought up Paris Campbell. I was I was juggling him around, too. I actually took yeah. a look at the last four years, which quarterbacks target the slot the most. Uh, Carson Wentz finished seventh amongst qualified quarterbacks in target rate to the slot. So that's where Paris Campbell will make his living. But camp reports are saying he's behind pa- uh, Pas- Pascal Siaka. Yeah. Pascal Siaka. I'm Zach Pascal. Pascal. <laughs> That's the Raptors forward. I don't even know what I was thinking. I was going to say, is it yeah. yeah. I, I hear you. And it's it's interesting because you talk about Zach Pascal and Paris Campbell. And I feel like both of these guys have had a lot of hype in the Colts organization for the last two to three years. But basically, like one of them is always injured, right? They have a tough time being on yeah. the field at the same time. Of course, T.Y. Hilton has been the face of that receiving core for a decade, but he's kind of falling off. And then there's a lot of hype with Michael Pittman, but now we don't know what to expect with him in year two either because, mm-hmm. again, we're not sure what quarterback we're going to get for Indianapolis. So I think you you and I both agree that he's a great deep sleeper candidate, but we both picked two other players, which we'll get into in a little bit. Okay, so let's get into the AFC South studs, duds, breakouts, sleepers, and, of course, a deep sleeper for you. If you're new to this series somehow, basically what we do is we take – each division and the four teams in that division, we are only talking about the AFC South in this podcast for the stud, dud, breakout, sleeper, and deep sleeper. That's the Titans, Colts, Jags, and Texans. Studs and duds are going to be players in the first to fifth round. Studs, of course, are going to be players that we think will at least hit their ADP and exceed that ADP. And then duds, of course, are going to be players that we think might fall behind their ADP for whatever reason. So in the first to fifth round, the players eligible in the AFC South, specifically Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, A.J. Brown, Travis Etienne, and my man Julio Jones. Bobby, I'll let you kick this one off here. Who is your stud for the AFC South? Well, my stud for the AFC South is A.J. Brown. And I think I've made it very clear on yesterday's podcast that I love A.J. Brown And the funny thing is he's now kind of slipped a little bit. He's going now towards the wide receiver eight range at the two, three turn. And I consistently have him as a top five wide receiver. And here's kind of why. First off, let's just talk about his 2020. When he returned from his early season absence, he was actually weeks four on, which included his bye week. He was averaging 15.5 points per game. That was the wide receiver five in points per game, uh, wide receiver four in points per game last year. So that would have been right just behind Stephon Diggs ahead of guys like DeAndre Hopkins, for example. So right there, we've already seen that kind of little separation from that pack like DK Metcalf and also Hopkins. But now with the introduction of Todd Downing, it is something that is a little different. Todd Downing, when I, I want to explain something about Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith was a part of the Titans organization since 2011. He was there for the exotic smash mouth years. Mike Munchek, Mike Malarkey, like all these, these running focused guys. Arthur Smith technically was not even a Matt LaFleur guy. Matt LaFleur came in, he put in a good offense, and then he got promoted and used the same offense because he's a smart guy, and he built off the offense Matt LaFleur implemented. But 
that ingrained in his remember DeMarco Murray monster rushing campaign. When he, everyone yes. thought he was done. He had that B season. I think it was 2015. Then also uh, Chris Johnson, even after his 2000 yard rushing season, he did have a couple more 300 close to 300 carry seasons while, while Arthur Smith was there. Todd Downing is not breaded in, in, in Titans history. Like Arthur Smith was Todd Downing's a little different. He came from Oakland um, coached under Bill Musgrave, also very run centric kind of guy as well. But Todd Downing, the one season I talked about in this yesterday's podcast, he averaged 594 dropbacks that one season. That's a lot higher than the 534 that Arthur Smith averaged in his two seasons as OC. So that little influx and bump in potential dropbacks is actually third in my opportunity analysis. And also the important thing about the opportunity analysis, this team has the second most new available targets which also factors in uh, vacated targets and also the potential drop back projection for 2021. So long story short, if they do get closer to that projection with Todd Downing, you're looking at a bump in the actual production for AJ Brown based on his career efficiencies that based on all that data, he would have been the wide receiver three last year. If he on his, how many fantasy points he produces per drop back. So, Right there, I'm already starting to see if there's any additional pass volume. When you have a player that this is this efficient, he's going to be worth a top five pick at his position, and he's going at eight, and he finished five last year. So he's already behind his finish from last year because of the Julio Jones uh, situation. But here, I'm here to calm your mind. Julio Jones comes in. Todd Downing, the once year, I talked about this yesterday, the one year he was OC, he had Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. They actually, when they were healthy, played about 11, 12 games together. They split work down the middle, 7.8 targets per game for each player. Last season, A.J. Brown only averaged 7.5. So if everything works out like it's supposed to, and Julio's still the stud, I know Sky's a big believer in Julio, he's still going to potentially see a bump in targets. And he was the wide receiver five. Don't overthink it. This guy is one of the – he's actually a tier above, I believe, than guys like Hopkins and D.K. Metcalf. Because I do think he can get you closer to that 16-point area where Diggs was last year. Fun fact, uh, not true, but did you know that AJ <laughs> did you know that AJ actually sounds for another Julio? So it's actually another Julio Brown, which is absolutely incredible there for Tennessee. Look, man, AJ Brown is absolutely phenomenal, broken all of the you know uh, statistical you know efficiencies for the last two years. We hope that keeps up. I'm going to just stay on the same team, same wide receiver core, and I'm going to get into my stud here. It's his teammate, his idol, frankly, Julio Jones. And I think it's a great clubhouse move that A.J. Brown at least offered up number 11 uh, to Julio when he came over, and Julio was good to go back to you know college number. So I, I love Julio – or love A.J. Brown. I mentioned – yesterday on the pod that I'm actually taking DK Metcalf over AJ Brown by just a smidge because Julio Jones, in my opinion, is still Julio Jones. And I am buying this dip for Julio all day long. I'm very excited about this. So I'm going to go with my man, Quintoris Jones here, ECR wide receiver 18 that actually bumped up one from yesterday. ECR wide receiver 18. I've got him at wide receiver 13. And I checked around the industry, and I'm the highest of anybody <laughs> that does what we do on Julio Jones. So I'm either going to like win this race by myself, 
or look like a bozo. We'll see what happens. I've got him at number 13. ECR has him at 18, and he's going basically in the fifth round now. Bobby, he keeps falling. 412 here, but it was 5-1 earlier when I checked as well. He's right on that 4-5 turn. Unbelievable considering this guy's been a first-round pick for the last 10 years. Last year, Tennessee was 27th in total targets to the wide receiver position. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of throw a bone to your boy here, AJ Brown as well. 27th in total targets to the wide receiver position. Not exciting, obviously. They had 270 targets total to the wide receivers alone. AJ Brown was 17th in the NFL, 7.6 per game, as you mentioned, among wide receiver ones on their team in the NFL. Corey Davis was 14th with 6.6 per game on NFL wide receiver twos on their team. So not fantasy number twos, NFL number twos. A.J. Brown into the season in PPR as wide receiver 12 overall, wide receiver six in fantasy points per game in PPR. Julio Jones last year had a career high 11.3 yards per target and his best yards per reception since 2017 with 15.1. He can still get down the field and he's one of the best contested catching wide receivers in NFL history. Corey Davis was wide receiver 30 overall, wide receiver 28 in PPR fantasy points per game. Julio Jones, in my opinion, is far better than Corey Davis, even at 31 years old. Davis had 65 catches, 984 yards, and five touchdowns last year in 14 games. Julio Jones has at least 83 catches, 1,394 yards, and six touchdowns in every season since 2014, save for a week, three touchdowns in 2017 somehow, and of course last year. So I expect Julio Jones, even with A.J. Brown there, with all these vacated targets that you've been talking about on this podcast for the last three months, all these vacated targets, A.J. Brown's going to eat, your boy Ferkser's going to eat, Derrick Henry's going to get his 350 touches, and guess what? Julio Jones could still get 80 receptions, 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns at least. I think that's modest. If he does that, that's roughly 236 PPR fantasy points or wide receiver 15, your boy Amari Cooper. I think he could be closer to 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and eight touchdowns, which would make it about 268 PPR fantasy points. Wide receiver eight. That's just the projection that comes out to last year's wide receiver eight. He's going as the wide receiver 18. I've got him at 13. I'm the highest around at 13, and I think him finishing at number eight and A.J. Brown finishing at number five is not impossible, even with this offense throwing the 27th most pass attempts. The efficiency doesn't make sense, but the numbers don't lie, and you you and I are about the numbers. It just makes sense. The projection for me, low ball, 80, 1,206. Realistically, I think it could be 90, 1,308. That's going to put him in the top 10, and, and people are falling on Julio Jones. I'm in for at least this one more year. I agree. Uh, I think he's great going in the back of the fourth round now. I think that's fantastic. But we don't – you know, it's not all rosy. Not everybody's a stud in this in this division. So let's talk about some duds. And my dud is Travis Etienne. Now, I know uh, he, everyone likes the rookie, the new hotness. But I think some of the first preseason game gave you an indication that James Robinson is not going to go anywhere for a while. This guy is coming off a 1,000-yard rushing season. I'm not saying that Travis Etienne shouldn't be drafted ahead of James Robinson. But I don't like where he's going. This guy has risen all the way up to running back 20 in the top of the fourth round ahead of guys like Julio Jones. I don't like that. So when I looked at Travis Etienne, I wanted to talk a little bit about Daryl Bevel and how they handled DeAndre Swift last year. Swift came into the league as a rookie. 
He played with Carrion Johnson and Adrian Peterson early on in the season. First eight weeks, they used Swift as a primary pass catcher, but they used Adrian Peterson on early down work. So that's a very similar situation you're going to see with James Robinson and Carlos Hyde. Now, DeAndre Swift was fine. He was the RB25, 11.1 points per game and half point PPR. The point is, though, that's not difference maker. That's not that's not that's not going to be what Cooper Cup could be, or Amari Cooper, or even Julio Jones could be for your fantasy team. That's flex numbers, and that's kind of why I don't really like Travis Etienne because I see him filling that DeAndre Swift role in Darrell Bevel's scheme for 2021. But once he returns, so DeAndre Swift came back, and I know people are going to say, yeah, but he came back, got the full-time job. Number one, Adrian Peterson is in his mid-30s. James Robbins is coming off a 1,000-yard campaign in his basically second season. So I don't see him fading out. But if he does, DeAndre Swift averaged 13.7 points per game when he returned, which is fine. That's about back-end 18 to 20 range, okay? You're drafting him at his ceiling now. Not factoring in the fact that if a, if James Robinson is going anywhere, you're going to get him. He's going to fall more towards the back end of that 24, 25 range, which is why I think he's a dud. But look at a Travis Etienne. He's going to be a pass catcher. He's going to catch a bunch of passes. He's been with uh, Trevor Lawrence for three years. Let's take a look at those years at Clemson. His first season at Clemson, they had T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Hunter Renfro, and Amari Rogers. That season, he had 12 receptions on the year. They didn't need him. This then all of a sudden in 2020 flash forward, this guy flirted with 30, uh, 50 targets plus in this offense because they had no Hunter Renfro. They basically had Justin Ross got hurt and T Higgins was gone. So they needed Travis Etienne to be more of a featured player in the pass game. I don't think that's going to be necessary. You got DJ Chark, you got Travis, um, LaVishka Chanel, you got Marvin Jones. You also have Colin Johnson. And you also have the fact that he's not going to be an every down player. So, even if you project his average 32 receptions from college into the pros, you're looking at about 50 receptions, which is good. I'm not saying it's bad, but he's not going to give you Alvin Kamara-esque type of numbers in the receiving game to make up for the fact that he might get you 150 carries at the most this season. So that's why I think I'm fading him. Guys, I would take over him. Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, and Julio Jones. Yeah, man, that's a big one. We were on, uh, you and I were blessed to get on, invited onto the Believe Jags with our boys, Phil and Jay, recently. And we had Jay back on as well to break down the Jags earlier this week. And I keep bringing up, you just mentioned, like there's a lot of comparisons with Travis Etienne to Alvin Kamara. And first of all, anybody compared to Alvin Kamara is just false. It's like saying like, oh, this is the next, you know, Saquon Barkley or, or CMC. Like they're not, they're, they're different players. Alvin Kamara as a rookie, okay, Came in with 201 touches, 1,500-plus total yards, and 13 touches as a rookie. He didn't even get legit work until week six. Alvin Kamara is absolutely phenomenal. Another comparison that has been made that you squashed right away on our show recently as well is the Percy Harvin take, right? Yeah. There's the the thought that, you know, um, uh, Urban Meyer wanted to bring in the quote-unquote Percy Harvin, so he wanted Kadarius Toney. Well, Kadarius Tony ended up on the Giants, so his next best thing was Travis Etienne. But Percy Harvin was a you know kick return, punt return specialist, wide receiver, not a hybrid running back. So while he might be a great pass catcher, and he should get some great work in this offense, he'll be splitting time, number one. We don't know what's going to happen with the rookie quarterback, young receivers all over the place, solid receiving core, and a rookie head coach. And I know everyone's fading James Robinson this year after last year. I am too with regression. 
but he's still there and he did play well. So we'll see what happens there. But I would absolutely agree to pump the brakes on Travis Etienne. Okay, I'm going to stick in uh, the dud category here. And this one breaks my heart. It really does. And you mentioned, you asked me earlier in the show, right off the bat, what was the hardest category to pick somebody in? I said deep sleeper because it was because I was trying to find somebody that I could like make a case for. And I feel good about my guy that I'll get into. But the dud category in this one was the same. Again, the players we're choosing from Derrick Henry, obviously not a dud. Jonathan Taylor, AJ Brown, Etienne, and Julio Jones. Well, you and I just stood up for Julio Jones and AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. You picked Travis Etienne, so it comes down to Henry and Jonathan Taylor. And unfortunately, man, I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks. I got to stick with my gut here. My dud in this division right now is Jonathan Taylor, unfortunately. Marlon, right now he's going as the running back six. I have him as my running back 11. I know that's not a popular take. I just said I'm higher than everybody else on Julio Jones. I think I'm lower than everybody else on Jonathan Taylor right now. He's going as the ninth pick in the first round and the sixth running back off the board. Let's not forget, Marlon Mack played one game last year and was lost to a ruptured Achilles. We all wrote him off, thought he would be maybe done for his career because not many people, unfortunately, your boy Arian Foster is a prime example, can take anybody down, unfortunately, with, with the ruptured Achilles. So far in camp, and I know it's just camp, but Marlon Mack looks good. He looked good in preseason as well. He's going to get work. Naheem Hines is still around. He's the bona fide pass catcher. And Jordan Wilkins, who nobody talk, talks about, is also still around there as well. So last year, Jonathan Taylor, I, I just want to look at red zone efficiency right here because when I was doing research on Jonathan Taylor, and I've been talking about him all summer, I'm very high on the talent, but Wentz got hurt, Quentin Nelson got hurt. I'm just not excited about it currently. So I zoomed in on like fantasy gold nuggets where do you get your fantasy points through the pass game and in the red zone in the goal line well we know that jonathan taylor could be a pass catcher but like nick chubb isn't going to get a ton of work so let's look at the red zone and the goal line efficiencies okay last year jonathan taylor was had the fifth most red zone carries inside the 20 yard line he had 48 red zone carries he had the fourth most red zone touchdowns with nine inside the 20 Eight of those, eight of the nine, came inside the five-yard line. So it tells me two things. One, he's very efficient inside the five. That is absolutely what you want out of your fantasy football running back. Unfortunately, (laughs) that tells me that eight of the nine red zone touchdowns came within the five, not outside of the five to 20-yard line. Only one of those happened that far. Not saying he can't do it, but it didn't happen that way. Now, when I zoomed in a little bit closer to other players in that area and had a comparison, he had the 11th most fantasy points. Again, fourth most red zone carries, 11th most fantasy points inside the red zone. That's not the right area. You'd rather have the 11th most carries, fifth most fantasy points. He went the other direction. Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery, James Robinson, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Alvin Kamara all had more red zone fantasy points on fewer red zone touches. So better efficiency than Jonathan Taylor. And then, of course, we've said this one a million times, but I'll repeat it. In the first 10 games, Jonathan Taylor was running back 19 in PPR. Naheem Hines, in the same 10 games, was running back 16. Weeks 11 to 17, Jonathan Taylor went absolutely bananas He was running back three in PPR, finished overall running back number six. He was third in the NFL in rushing yards. But Christian McCaffrey, 
only played three games. Saquon Barkley played a game and a half. John uh, Joe Mixon played six games. Austin Eckler played 10 games. Nick Chubb played 12 games. And a lot of other running backs, you know, Dalvin Cook missed two games as well. Uh, Zeke Elliott lost Dak Prescott. I mean, when you look at the first round running backs and the first two round running backs, so many of those guys, unfortunately, went down. So the numbers were skewed. So if you dial it back to a year before here and you're looking at, you know, general numbers and fantasy points, Jonathan Taylor simply would not have been as high as he was in his fantasy finish in a quote unquote normal season. Now, unfortunately, we know history tells us running backs are going to get hurt. First round running backs are going to get hurt. Jonathan Taylor's in a tough situation. Saquon Barkley might not be healthy, blah, blah, blah. It will happen again. But the, last year with the COVID and everything else happening was a unique season in that James Robinson, David Montgomery, Jonathan Taylor, I think are great running backs. But were their numbers extremely um, you know, inflated because of the year that it was? Again, CMC, Saquon, Mixon, Eckler, Chubb, Cook, some of these guys missing time. Um, if that doesn't happen this year, are those guys going to still be able to keep up? Jonathan Taylor – very efficient inside the five, not the red zone. I'm worried about Carson Wentz being out. Even if he plays, he's not 100%, and he's still in the new offense. I'm worried about Quentin Nelson not being 100%, and Marlon Mack coming back. Even if he takes five carries a game or five touches a game, that's not what Jonathan Taylor's going to get. Hines is solid. Wilkins is solid. The draft capital in the first round for Jonathan Taylor makes me nervous. He might finish top five overall. The dude's an animal. My gut tells me not, and I got to stick with my conviction here. Unfortunately, Bobby, he is my dud, and I've got him and Saquon Barkley as my 11 and 12 running back right now, and it makes me sick, but the numbers just make them fall there. Yeah, quickly with Marlon Mack, this guy in 2018 with Andrew Luck had 900 rushing yards in just 12 games and nine rushing touchdowns. In 2019, Damn. when he played the full season, he played with Jacoby Brissett. That was a disaster year for that offense, so – he still rushed over for 1,000 yards playing with Jacoby Brissett as his starting quarterback. So, yes, Marlon Mack's going to be a factor. But also factor in that Naheem Hines is going to be the passing down back. I know that happened last year. But Phillip Rivers targets the running backs more than anybody. So now you're taking away from that and you're moving to a guy like Carson Wentz, who on average has been at 17% target rate to running 2016. That's not good. That's 22nd over that span on average. So that's going to deflate a lot of the passing game usage. Plus, let's hope Quentin Nelson's fine. They lost Anthony Costanzo this year. The lineup beat might be as elite. So I agree. Plus, I'm taking Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson. I'm taking Aaron Jones. I'm taking all those guys ahead of him. So that's why I agree with you. But if you love these deep stats from a guy like Sky and Sky, listen, we all can't be Sky Gawasco. Of course not. But if you want to start trying to be like Sky Gawasco, you have to start by ordering. Go to t uh, expandthebossscore.com. Listen, I just got my first testimonial from one of my followers. He actually hit me up and said, listen, Dan, I downloaded I went on to expand the box score, and I actually did the TCK promo code. This is actually awesome. He's like, I've never really done advanced stats, but for 20 bucks, totally worth it. We're not joking. You're getting things like contested catches, routes run, broken tackles, missed tackles, fun advanced stats. For a very affordable price. The best part, too, is it's risk-free. If you guys take the four-day free trial with TCK, you get four days. If you don't like it, you can cancel. That's why I love this promotion. Use the promo TCK and go to expandtheboxscore.com. It's instead of be like Mike, it's be like Sky. Get your advanced stats at expandtheboxscore.com. 
Makes perfect sense, man. You got to do that. It is it is crunch time, Bobby. Everybody's on the clock here in the next couple of weeks. Make sure you put yourself at the best advantage you possibly can. All right, man. I'm going to take another one here back to back. I'm going to go with my breakout here. These are players in round six through 10. Again, this is only the AFC South. Our candidates in this range, James Robinson, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Cooks, Ryan Tannehill, Michael Pittman, David Johnson, and Marvin Jones Jr., my breakout in this area is Ryan Tannehill. Very excited about Ryan Tannehill. You mentioned Todd Downing, and I think you broke that down well, so I'm not going to get back into it necessarily. But Arthur Smith moves on to Atlanta. Todd Downing comes in. They bring in Julio Jones. I, Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry, but they're going to throw the ball more than 27th most in the NFL, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm excited about a little bit of a boost no matter what in the passing game. That's obviously going to help Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill right now is going as the 11th quarterback in ADP. I have him as my 10th quarterback right now. Mike Taglier, who good friend of the show. You guys know I love his content and trust his um, his thought process and breakdowns. Mike Taglier has Ryan Tannehill as his 7th ranked quarterback. I thought I was high at number 10. I started digging around and checking out where everybody else sat, and Tags has him at number 7. So, Feeling the flames for Ryan Tannehill. He's going as the ECR QB nine. So I'm behind by just one, but we all have him about a, a you know, a seven to 10 quarterback. And I just don't think that's going to happen in your public leagues, right? If you, if you have your, your work league, you have your um, party leagues, your homie leagues, your home leagues, whatever, people are not going to be thinking at Ryan Tannehill upside, right? He's just, he's not flashy. They're a run first team. It's, it's Derrick Henry, this, there, people are just not going to target Ryan Tannehill in the early to middle rounds at all. He's going to be a late round guy. So you're going to be able to get even better value here from Ryan Tannehill. Right now he's going ADP in the ninth round, but you're probably going to be able to get him in like the 12th in your personal leagues. Last year he finished QB seven. And again, Mike Taglier has him at QB seven this year. That's the best finish of his entire career. He also had career highs in passing touchdowns with 33 and rushing touchdowns with seven. Then you have another year. This is year three with A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry. He now gets Julio Jones. Tennessee was fourth in points scored as a team last year and second in overall yards on offense. He was ninth in completed air yards, second in fantasy points per dropback, fifth in catchable pass rate, fourth in total QBR, and now, of course, he gets future Hall of Famer Julio Jones, so that can only help. If... If Derrick Henry slows down at all, then the ceiling is even higher for Ryan Tannehill. Henry is an animal, obviously, but he saw 378 carries last year. That's 75 more than his previous career high. He had 2,078 rushing yards last year, 487 more than his previous career high, and 17 rushing touchdowns last year. If he comes back down to earth, and let's just say he gets 350 you know, maybe 2,000, even with the 17th game, we'll give him 2,000 again. But let's say we give him like a reasonable 12 to 14 touchdowns that'll bring him down a little bit and we can beef up the passing game. And let's not forget the last the last time we saw Derrick Henry last year, and I'm not, this isn't a knock on Derrick Henry, but it's possible because he's a, he's a one, uh, he, he's a running back. He's not a pass catcher. The last thing we saw with Derrick Henry, he was playing the Baltimore Ravens in the wild card game. The Ravens held him to 18 carries, solid workload, 40 yards. 
only 40 yards for Derrick Henry. I know the Ravens are an elite defense, but 18 carries for 40 yards is not going to cut it. If that happens, Ryan Tannehill is going to open it up down the field with the play action, yada, yada. We know what Julio Jones does. Bobby and I have already talked about A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Yesterday we talked about Anthony Ferkser as well. My man Josh Reynolds is in there somewhere also. Ryan Tannehill has a lot of opportunity, and he has a huge rushing upside that people don't pay attention to either. Seven rushing touchdowns last year. I think that comes back down to three or four maybe. But nonetheless, that's a good floor there. And 30 to 35 touchdowns with these guys, 4,000-plus receiving yards. He's going to be just fine. So Ryan Tannehill. Like you have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers for me, and then it's Ryan Tannehill and Matt Stafford. Those that's like the core four of non rushing quarterbacks, right? You get through all of your top end rushing quarterbacks, then you have those four guys. I'd be happy to have any of them. I think in your home league, with all the hype with Stafford and the Rams and Brady and Rodgers as Hall of Famers already in fantasy and in the NFL, Tannehill's going to be the one to fall in public leagues. You could probably get him in your 10th, 12th round. I'll take him all day long and stack my roster elsewhere. Uh, after hearing you talk about Ryan Tannehill, I'm jealous that I didn't pick him because I am obsessed with Ryan Tannehill. I think he might be one of my must-have players in 2021. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get to our we're gonna yeah, get we're, to our gamers here soon. We're gonna Maybe get to make the I list. Know. I know, but listen, I t- I'm gonna talk really quick. Go listen to the Titans preview we did yesterday. I broke this down in detail why, but. He's not the QB. QB 11 is a a stupid way to evaluate his season last year. He was 3.3 points per game on average better than the QB 13. So he was closer to the QB 5 than the QB 13. He is not. He's a different level. Plus the potential increases from Todd Downing. But another fun fact, his 2018 season, the last year in Miami, we saw him make a turn. His uh, touchdown rate when it was at six over six percent. That's close to where he was last year in touchdown rate. Also, his yards per target spiked. He just started getting better. This guy was a wide receiver in college, and then he played with Adam Gase. So let's give him a break. Like, listen, I just think the sky's the limit on him. All pun intended. I love Ryan Tannehill, but the reason why I didn't pick him is there's another guy I love, and that's Marvin Jones. Shout out to our boys over at the Jags Pod. We did a great episode with those guys, but. What the, one thing they kept saying over and over again, Marvin Jones is the best receiver. For some reason, we haven't caught up to the idea. We don't like this. Me and Sky did age analysis a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how age 30 to 34, the guys still operate at about 92% of their peak age. So that means you're still going to get 92%. But we just saw last year in his 30s, Marvin Jones produce a solid season. And this guy is the only player – on the roster that knows the offense from a previous year because he played with Daryl Bevel for two seasons in Detroit. He's going as the third receiver of the group in the Jags. It makes no sense. I think that's going to change. We're starting to see him being drafted in the ninth, 10th round range. It's going to continue. I would even consider him starting in the eighth round after guys like Tyler Boyd, Antonio Brown fall off the board. I'm obsessed with him. But here's also the other thing. When you look at his stats with Daryl Bevel, The best part about Marvin Jones, he's proven the last two years that he can produce as a top 30 receiver. In 2020, he finishes the 16th wide receiver overall, 23rd in points per game, wide receiver two. 2019, he finished 17th in points per game. If he didn't get hurt, the guy was a top 20 receiver in 2019. He ended up finishing 27th overall. Plus, look at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is not the type of quarterback to check it down as much. I know the Travis Etienne thing was good last season, but what I brought up, he had Justin Ross – 
And also he had uh, T. Higgins in 2018, that his monster season. Even this is first freshman year when they won the national championship that first year. He dominated with perimeter vertical threats. And the guys in the jackpot says will tell you, Marvin Jones has been his go-to guy. Look at the first preseason game. When he was in third downs, where did he go? Marvin Jones. Contested catch, Marvin Jones. He threw it up for him. Marvin Jones went and got for him. He's not scared to challenge defenses. He's aggressive, Trevor Lawrence. And that's going to be Marvin Jones. You should. He's another one of my must-have guys. We'll get there. Gamers, we're getting there. I'm getting ahead of myself. But Marvin Jones is my breakout of the AFC South. Man, you just mentioned like me talking about Ryan Tannehill makes you want to pick him for <laughs> yeah. this category. I'll tell you right now, man, you beat me to the punch with Marvin Jones, right? Like Marvin Jones was going to be my pick, and I was like, oh, snap. And then I went with Tannehill because I love him too. But you and I could have made a similar case for both of these guys. Absolutely. Love Marvin Jones. I've made a case for him multiple times. And this is something important that Lucas, uh, if you're new to the to the podcast this summer, maybe you're unfamiliar. Lucas Kaser was my co-host last year before Bobby came on. And Lucas would always bring up something that I I didn't take seriously until the season unfolded last year. And he was crushing all of the leagues we were in together with his like wide receiver four. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Lucas would always preach. Everybody wants the the Justin Jefferson. Everybody wants a guy that you're going to draft in the ninth round. That's going to finish tops, you know, seven at their position or something. It's just not going to happen. Most of the time, what is very important and what Lucas preached and he he went for in multiple leagues, and it carried on very well for him. The ultimate goal is you need fantasy points to beat your opponent. If you don't have studs every week, you need to have people that are going to give you 12, 14 fantasy points every single week as a floor on your roster. I know it's not super impressive, but it matters. Julian Edelman, Jarvis Landry, Robert Woods, right? Marvin Jones over the years, Tyler Boyd, you know, Brandon Cooks. These are the kind of guys that you can rely on for 11, 12, 15 PPR points. And if they score a touchdown, they're 20 plus. And that puts you over the over the top. They're never your wide receiver one, maybe not even your wide receiver two, but they're a top flex wide receiver three with a great floor. Marvin Jones is not somebody you're going to draft in the 11th round and expect him to finish top 20. It doesn't matter. He could and he might. If he does, it's a super win. You're looking for a bolster right there and there's zero risk in drafting Marvin Jones in the 11th round all upside. Bobby and I are going to be chasing each other in drafts this year. I know it. We're going to be drafting guys like Marvin Jones in the eighth round, trying to beat each other (laughs) to it ahead of ADP, but we're absolutely about that. All right, man, let's jump into the sleeper here. We got a sleeper and a deep sleeper. Of course, I'm going to get into mine here. And this one was interesting, man. Again, you asked me, you know, what was the hardest category? They were all pretty tough in this division because you have super duper studs. And then you have some like, meh, this could work. I'm going to go out on a limb here. First of all, I want to digress a little bit to yesterday. I was a bit grumpy on the podcast because I was, <laughs> I was, I was, you know, uh, cast a spell upon to come up with fantasy analysis for about 30 minutes for the Houston Texans. And that was a tough chore. Although doing that research and then sleeping on it and coming back for this segment for the sleepers and deep sleepers, I wanted to throw a bone to the Texans. And that is Philip Lindsay. Our categories here are the sleepers. This is rounds 11 to 14 in the AFC South. Our candidates in this position here, Trevor Lawrence, Naheem Hines, T.Y. Hilton, and Phillip Lindsey. I'm going to go with Phillip Lindsey here. He's going as the ECR running back 48. He has my running back 44. Has some upside. And he's going in about the 12th to 13th round on the turn there. I don't have faith in David Johnson. 
Okay. I, I broke a lot of this down in the Texans yesterday. So I'm going to try to not repeat all of my stats, but I don't have faith in David Johnson, who's probably going to be a third down back. I don't even think he's a starter coming in at this point. Mark Ingram and Rex Burkhead could be cut. Even if they're not, I don't think they're going to pass up Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay's like six years younger than all of these guys. Lindsay may start as a third down back, but I do think eventually he becomes the starter before too long in Houston. I mentioned this yesterday, but I'll mention it again. Since the start of 2018, Philip Lindsay ranks 10th among all running backs in rushing yards. He's averaged about five, that's seven or 4.78 yards per carry during that time. He had back-to-back 1,200-plus total yard seasons, 30-plus receptions in each of those seasons, and at least seven touchdowns in 2018 and 19 before last year, only playing in 11 games. Again, no risk, high reward. He's more than just a handcuff. Usually in the 11th, 12th, 13th round, you're drafting guys like Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Latavius Murray, the usual candidates. While those guys are great individual players, they are strictly handcuffs to the stud in front of them. Yes, if the stud goes down, they have more opportunity. Mike Davis would not be on anybody's radar if Christian McCaffrey didn't get hurt last year, but he did, and Mike Davis got an opportunity, and he did well enough to be relevant this particular season. Philip Lindsay is getting drafted with the handcuffs, maybe the starter, and he's more than a handcuff no matter what. I don't expect much in a low-scoring offense, but Lindsay is a good player personally. He can break good runs, big runs and, and big catches. He's a bi-week filler at minimum, and again, he could be a starter eventually as a flex play, maybe even an RB2 if they figure out some offensive weapon. Again, we're going to assume Deshaun Watson does not play. If somehow Deshaun Watson does play even halfway through the season, Lindsay and everybody else gets a bump. For now, Lindsay is not somebody I'm targeting, I'll be honest, but in this group of sleepers, he is the one that I would actually look at in this particular group out of Lawrence, Hines, and Hilton. And if I'm, again, in the 12th, 13th, 14th round and I need a fifth running back, why not take a guy that has massive upside? We've seen him play really well. Again, could get you a 12 to 18 point you know, weekly run with the potential to score some touchdowns and break a big play or two. So I'm not crazy about Philip Lindsay. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But in this group and in this range, you could do worse with a handcuffed drafted running back who could potentially be a starter. So don't forget about Philip Lindsay. Lost in the shuffle with the Houston Texans is Tim Kelly. I, I've talked about him yesterday a lot. Tim Kelly is a very good offensive mind. And I think a lot of people just think, oh, man, the Houston Texans are a disaster. You know, they they, they, they got all these random players. But the one thing that was a holdover with Deshaun Watson from last year is Tim Kelly. And since Tim Kelly became offensive coordinator, one of the things that's really improved is the ground game. Carlos Hyde had his only – thousand yard rushing season in 2019 under Tim Kelly in Houston. Like he was really good. He was a fantasy essay. He was like a flex play, but he was a workhorse. He had almost 250 carries. David Johnson last year had his highest yards per carry of his career in this offense. David Johnson more known for his pass catching last year. He was better on the ground. This offense, I actually thought that he Phil was going to be a great fit. If, if Deshaun Watson was the starter, if Philip Lindsay was the running back, he's the they don't need him in the passing. Carlos Hyde was barely used. David Johnson had some moments. But overall, they want to focus their runners on the ground game. He could be a souped-up Carlos Hyde who finished inside the top 40 in points per game in 2019. The problem is, what are they doing? Like, is Mark Ingram's involved? Is David Johnson going to get some early down work? Is he really going to just be a third down back? 
I have no idea. If Mark Ingram gets cut, there is some rumors there. Phil Lindsay needs to be on everyone's radar because if he's getting 12 to 13 touch uh, carries a game, he's going to be fantasy viable. But the problem is zero pass game work. And what's the touchdown equity? That's why I personally am not targeting Phil Lindsay that much yet. But that's why I went with my guy, T.Y. Hilton. And I'm sure you're going to disagree a lot of this one, but I don't care. So, listen, T.Y. Hilton last year, I know we want – this is we just talked about this. We all want the the Justin Jeffersons and all the new hotnesses. And, listen, last season, T.Y. Hilton, Phillip Rivers comes in, takes some time to get acclimated, whatever. Down the stretch, second half of the season, not just three games, not four games, literally the final eight games of the season, he was – Averaging 12.2 points per game. That would have been the wide receiver 20 last year, tied with Terry McLaurin, who's going just eight, nine rounds ahead of him. Totally get it. Third in the NFL in yards per route run, 9.6 yards per target. That would have been 17th in the NFL last year, minimum 50 targets. So he was really good. But the other aspect of this is look at his last two seasons, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers. What does T.Y. Hilton do the best? He's a deep threat. Phillip Rivers averaged nine 0.9% of his passes were 20 yards or more downfield. That is pathetic. That is not good. Jacoby Brissett, listen, I like Jacoby Brissett, but he's a backup quarterback. He also banged up his knee, and he was not throwing deep either. The last time we saw T.Y. Hilton with anybody that could throw the ball deep was Andrew Luck, and that was 2018. He was pretty good that year, 1,200 yards receiving. Listen, Carson Wentz, for prior to last season, was very efficient. On his career, he averages 13% of his passes downfield, that 3.1% jump potentially, that's about 19 more deep shots, of course, the season based on their total attempts last year. That's more looks for T.Y. Hilton. Plus, Michael Pittman was on the field last year. And guess who it was? It wasn't Michael Pittman that got better down the stretch. It was T.Y. Hilton. My thing is T.Y. Hilton's going in like the 12th round. I honestly think at this point, sometimes, and he's another one of these guys, T.Y. Hilton's 31 years old. He's the same, basically the same age as Julio. And my thing is, so if we're not worried about Julio's age, we shouldn't be worried about T.Y. Hilton's age. Plus, camp reports, listen, Jacob Eason, I totally get all that. Carson Wentz injury. But my thing is, over the course of the season, I think T.Y. Hilton probably dropped the first, like, two, three weeks because Jacob Eason's not going to be good enough. So, honestly, you might not even have to draft him. But keep him in mind, once Wentz starts getting back, gets acclimated, I just think T.Y. Hilton is still a little bit left in the tank, and that's why he's my sleeper of the AFC South. If he's on waiver wires, I would race out to get him off waiver wires. I don't want to spend a draft pick on him because and, and look, it's not like I'm taking Philip Lindsay over TY Hilton necessarily, but in that yeah. range of other guys, and again, we're only talking about the AFC South today. There are other guys in that in that range that I just think have tremendous upside. And while TY Hilton may still have more in the tank, and I agree with you, Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett are certainly not Andrew Luck or a 2017 version of Carson Wentz, if he can get right. You did mention it, but I'll say it again. In PPR, he was the 11th wide receiver in uh, weeks 12 to 17 to end the season. But my favorite stat, maybe, Bobby, will be the first 11 weeks of last year. Do you remember where T.Y. Hilton was? I know you do PPR or half PPR, I do full. But either way, can you guess where T.Y. Hilton was in PPR weeks 1 through 11 cumulative? 82nd. 85th. Very good. Between Jacoby Grant, who? Exactly. And KJ Hamler. Oh, the like one-shot rookie from last year. Exactly. So I know he finished strong, and I hope it works out because T.Y. is a beast when he's right. I'm nervous about the Colts. I just mentioned how nervous I am about Jonathan Taylor. I'm probably going to fade T.Y. Hilton 
Um, you made a great case for him. And again, if he gets dropped in the first couple of weeks, I'd love to pick him up for free as my fifth or sixth receiver. But in the 12th round, I still think I could find some value elsewhere. And I'm probably not going to go for that personally, but I think you made a quality case. Okay, man, we still have our deep sleepers. But before we get into that, I want to give a shout out to our final sponsor of the episode. Now, this one is going to be exciting, man. A lot of people are getting back into live drafts. We have draft with red zone. We have draftwithredzone.com. Promo code TCK, of course, for 10% off. These are for the folks. I just got hit up while we're on air here. I got my phone in front of me for stats and timer and all this stuff. One of my buddies in my home league here, we always we've had a live draft for 12 years. He literally texted me about 15 minutes ago and said, Yo, are we doing a live draft this year? What's the deal? Let me get the deets. And I just haven't put it out to the league yet. Absolutely, we're going to try to do a, a live draft with protocols and everything else. I live in Oregon. It's still very shut down for us, unfortunately. But other places, it is much more open. If you're into the live draft, here's what you get. You, on YouTube, you can see the screen for the podcast. Just check this out. You get a three-by-five draft board. That's 14 teams, 20 rounds deep. You get the color-coded, traditional Different team tag, player tag names. You get the green, the blue, the red, the purple, the yellow for your different positions. You got smack talk boards. You get a custom ring for the league, and they will engrave in the league and the year for you. That's about $50 value by itself here. You're going to get 10% off of that with the promo code TCKPOD. Make sure you reach out to Red Zone Draft Boards over the next couple of weeks. Give them a few days to get it to you before your draft coming up next weekend. I know a lot of drafts kick off next weekend. The week after that, I do a lot of mine like Labor Day weekend and things like that. So make sure you reach out to Draft with Red Zone ASAP. Tell them TCK sent you and use the promo code TCK for 10% off. All right, Bobby, we got our deep sleepers here, man. I will let you kick off with this one. Who is your deep sleeper in the AFC South? Okay, first off, it's Anthony Ferkser. And let's address something real quick. Let's address something real quick for everybody. Number one, oh, I saw these little down arrows on Anthony Ferkser's stock uh, because the first preseason game. Okay, let's let's all break this down for you. How many snaps did Ryan Tannehill play? Sky, you want to take a guess? Uh, I'm going to say zero. Zero. How many Derrick Henry play? Uh, less than one. That is correct. How many did AJ Brown and Julio Jones play? Definitely less than one. So it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, are you? Sh- oh, I mean, like, I got this I is mean, the ma- this is the math people come here for. People come like, to TCK for this kind of math. I love it. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Until Ryan Tannehill steps on the field, it doesn't matter what they do. I don't care what was going on. I don't care how Ferks are Ferks are playing less snaps. Then Goff Swaim and, and, and Luke Stocker is a good thing because the real starters were not on the field. So now that we got all that crap out of the way, let's talk about why he's a deep sleeper for 2021. Last season, the Titans were third in the NFL in generating points to the tight end position as a team. 13.9 points per game. Okay? If you take Jono Smith and Anthony Ferkser last year, basically no one wants to know this, but they basically almost split targets 50-50. Last year, if you combine their stats, oh, they're just a tight end four, a nice casual buck 77 and 11 points per game, Sky. So that's elite tight end numbers. Okay. Jonu Smith, 65 targets. Now let's talk about those boys that they replaced Jonu Smith with. Oh, yeah. Luke Stocker and Goff Swaim, Jeff Swaim, still don't know his name. Combined in their careers, 32 targets and 27 targets are their career highs. These are not pass catchers. Last season, slot usage, 
it wasn't it wasn't uh you know Adam Humphreys it wasn't uh you know that AJ Brown fella it wasn't uh Corey Davis it was Anthony Ferkser who led the team in slot usage I mean what do we want they promoted their tight ends coach you think the tight ends coach is going to go you know what let's throw to the receivers and running backs a little more the tight ends coach Todd Downing is going to say, let's keep our boys out there. A little handshake agreement from former position coach to make sure that Anthony Ferkser is still lighting things up. Now listen, if the second preseason comes out and Brian Tannehill is running and gunning for two series and Anthony Ferkser is on the sideline, you can cancel this and say, Bob, hashtag you were wrong. I will bow down. I will. But I guarantee you, Anthony Ferkser is going to be out there every important pass play and he's going to make a play or two. And you guys are going to say, you know what? Maybe that crazy ginger's right. Anthony Ferks are deep sleeper. Tell I us love it, man. Guy. I love it. I love the conviction. And here's here's another thing to think about too. When you get a promotion from the from the position coach specifically, obviously that that generally helps out. Let's turn it all the way back when Arthur Smith took over as offensive coordinator years ago. Delaney Walker was still running the show for the tight ends. He saw an increase and bump there. And of course, Jonu Smith, although unfortunately not as dynamic as I think we all thought he could be. The efficiency was there. The targets were there. And, of course, he was split in time in the last couple of years. So Anthony Ferkshire's essentially not even getting drafted, certainly in, in redraft. So he's a free guy, deep tight end. And, Bobby, if you don't go with one of the big three or you take a chance on Hawkinson, Andrews, or Pitts. Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby. <laughs> or you punt all the way to the end, I think you could do worse, you know, than taking a guy like Anthony Ferkshire, Adam Troutman, Gerald Everett. Somebody like these guys, take two of those guys in your final yep. two picks and see which one becomes Robert Tunyon or Logan Thomas. I like it a lot. Okay, my deep sleeper in this division, again, after boohooing yesterday, I'm going to throw another bone to the Houston football Texans. The deep sleepers are rounds 15 plus. These are way down the list here. I mentioned my honorable mention, Paris Campbell. You have Darrington Evans, who is the backup who will never play unless Derrick Henry gets injured. Carson Wentz, your boy Ferkser, Deshaun Watson, which is we're not going to talk about, but there's that situation. Marlon Mack, who I just said was playing pretty well. Nico Collins, my man, jo uh, Josh Reynolds, who comes over from the Rams. Um, then you have uh, Terod Taylor and Mark Ingram. Okay, um, let's see here. We have Nico Collins. Nico Collins is going in the 20th round right now. So, again, undrafted pretty much. Wide receiver 84 from ADP and wide receiver 92 in ECR. I don't have much to tell you about Nico Collins because he's a rookie out of Michigan with a bad quarterback in college, and Michigan is not a throwing university. They weren't even a throwing university when some guy named Tom Brady used to go to school there 35 years ago. But he's 6'4". He was second in contested targets in 2018 and 2019 in all of college football when he played at Michigan. So last year, obviously, is a mess with COVID and blah, 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 and Michigan's been a train wreck the last 15 months. But in 2018 and 19, he was second in all of college football in contested targets. Now, he's buried on the depth chart right now, but the names that they brought in, the Texans offseason is more than perplexing. You mentioned all the running backs, right? Like Mark Ingram at this point of his career, Rex Burkhead at this point of his career, make no sense. The fact that they basically gave away New Hopkins in his prime to the Cardinals, brought in an old and hurt, and, you know, shouts out to the incredible David Johnson for one season years ago. David Johnson, they make that switch, and now you have these wide receivers. 
Bobby, let me see if you've heard of any of these guys. Andre Roberts was on the Raiders, I think, nine years ago. Brought him in for $2.6 million. Chris Conley, who I know you were very excited to see his three targets on uh, the last game. (laughs) He he brought him in for 1.5. Chris Moore, literally never heard of him. 1.3. And then they traded for Anthony Miller, who's a bad clubhouse guy in Chicago, incredibly talented. Chicago didn't want him. They got rid of him. They bring in Anthony Miller. So Nico Collins, unfortunately, is buried behind all these guys on paper. But behind Brandon Cooks, I don't expect any of these guys to outpace Nico Collins once he finally gets his feet underneath him. And depending on who is the quarterback, if it's Davis Mills, Terod Taylor, whatever, eventually I think Nico Collins becomes that guy. He's undrafted, number two. I know number two on the Texans isn't exciting, but he's going to be the number three before too long at least, maybe the number two. And I know they're not going to score a lot of points and be a prolific offense without Deshaun Watson, but, you know, a lot of people don't like garbage time. Guess what? Fantasy Ooh. football loves garbage time. Love loves garbage. You know who loves garbage time? Matt Ryan, Damn. right? Matt Ryan <laughs> loves garbage time. The Falcons are down by 15 in the second half every week. And guess what? 285 yards and three touchdowns in the second half every single week. This could absolutely happen with whoever's playing quarterback and Nico Collins here with the Texans are going to be behind by multiple scores almost every single week playing from behind. They're not going to be dinking and dunking or running backs. They're going to be trying to chuck it to at least compete for other jobs. These guys have pride minimum. It's not up to the players how shitty the organization is. They're going to be trying to get jobs and hopefully get out of Houston minimum. Again, Nico Collins buried. Just keep an eye on him. He's a dynasty stash minimum. He's a deep roster guy in redraft. And again, another guy on waivers that you might not even draft. Keep an eye on him come week three, week four, week five as things start to envelop. He might catch two or three touchdowns all of a sudden and get on people's radar. Be ahead of the curve. 6'4", second in all of college football in contested targets 2018 and 19. Terrible quarterback play at Michigan. I love this kid. Uh, the thing I like about Nico Collins is that he started earning first-team reps already. He's like, exactly. this is not a joke. Like, this guy's already lapped everybody. He actually played with Tyrod Taylor. Now, Tyrod Taylor did play, and Nico Collins was on the field. That's what I like to see. Brandon Cooks, of course, didn't play. One of the things I heard about recently, what they're exploring, is actually moving Brandon Cooks to the slot, having Nico Collins and Conley on the too. outside. So that's something to monitor, too, because if he just takes over in three receiver sets, Tyrod Taylor is one of the very few quarterbacks that doesn't lean slot heavy. He actually does throw it to the perimeter a lot. We saw it with Mike Williams, that one star. He actually outproduced Keenan Allen. So something to keep in mind for Nico Collins. But I do think this is more of a long-term than a short-term, but I do like the name for Dynasty. Again, man, deep sleeper. It's going in the 20th round right now. Why not? Uh, throw, throw, throw a yeah. dart at him. All right, Bobby, that wraps up our sleepers, breakouts, studs, and duds with a deep sleeper as well. Any final thoughts on the AFC South as a whole before we get out of here? No, I just love you, Scott. That's it. Love it. I love you too, brother. <laughs> we have wrapped up seven of the eight divisions. We have got the NFC South coming up next, and we're going to wrap up all of our team previews. It has been a long journey. If you haven't caught all the other teams, dial it back into our episodes. This is episode 434. We want to thank our sponsors today, Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Of course, expand the box score and draft with Red Zone. Make sure you reach out. TCK is the promo code for all of them to get your percentages off. This is the AFC South studs, duds, breakout sleepers, and deep sleepers. We'll be back with you with another episode. We have some great announcements coming up this weekend. Stay tuned. This episode and all episodes have been brought to you by Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. Bet Online AG and the mobile app, Bet Online, your online sports betting experts.
For Bobby LaMarco, I'm Scott Guasco. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.